Welcome to Snazzy Stories. Put some pepper in thy step and lend an ear to the terrific tales of the past. Welcome to Snazzy Stories. If you want to keep the storytelling alive, please go to patreon.com slash snazzy stories and donate to my storytelling adventure. Well, today's story is about the Honeymoon Trail. And to give a little bit of background, in 1847, the first group of Mormon pioneers arrived in the Salt Lake Valley. The LDS people were moving west specifically because of the persecution they had received in many towns and cities in the United States. They had been harassed for such a long time and persecuted for their religious beliefs that they finally decided to leave the United States altogether and move to the Mexican territory, which included the Utah Territory, at least until 1848, when America won the Mexican-American War and gained a lot of territory, including Utah and Arizona. Brigham Young, the leader of the Mormon people at the time, began to gear up his people for the move west by purchasing and gathering supplies. Once the Mormons arrived in the Utah Territory, their leader Brigham Young began building up the Mormon kingdom by sending members of his congregation to different areas of the Utah Territory, and eventually the Arizona Territory. He needed places for the Mormon people to settle. The saints wanted to live together in peace and purity, and they believed that now the West was their Zion. The idea of Zion profoundly influenced the LDS culture. Zion is why the LDS people traveled in packs. The Mormon people experienced vast amounts of conversions, and since they all lived in the same place at the same time in Zion, he needed to find a place for them all to be. That is why Brigham Young began moving his people all throughout the Utah Territory and eventually into the Arizona Territory. Brother Brigham sent a scouting party into Arizona to figure out the possibility of settlement in Arizona. The party reported back to Brigham, and it was less than a favorable report. They believed it was not the best place for them to settle. The environment was not hospitable. But Brigham Young, being the bold and blunt person that he was, he decided that he was still going to send people to settle in the area anyway. Also during this time, among the settlement of the towns, was the city of St. George in southern Utah. Brigham Young wanted to see a temple built in the west during his lifetime. They were already constructing the St. George Tabernacle to give the settlers in St. George a reason to be there. Brigham Young was having a hard time keeping people in St. George because the land and weather were a bit unforgiving. One account about Atkinville in St. George said, A more forbidding place to build homes would be difficult to find, but it was necessary to avoid the mosquitoes of the fields and pastures. The summer sun beat relentlessly down upon the whole scene. There was no vegetation around the house except two small tamarisk trees by the front porch and small flower gardens watered by hand, for which May was chiefly responsible. She planted and tended them and kept them alive by carrying water from the barrels in buckets. Winds often blew through the gap and poured gray, sandy dust over everything. It left a layer of grit on the milk in the cellar, on the cream in the jar for churning, on the dishes in the cupboard, and over all the furniture. There was sand in the water buckets and the drinking dipper the milk pails and pans set out to sun, on floors and windowsills. It filled one's eyes and ears and gritted between one's teeth. Was it any wonder that my mother, who went to Akinville as a bride, exclaimed during one of the windy onslaughts in sheer desperation, 
Nothing tries my faith so much as one of these sandstorms. I feel like apostatizing. Unquote. Still, Brigham Young believed St. George to be a key place for defense, supply, and travel for his people. And it seemed a safer place because the federal government's power hadn't quite reached as far south as St. George yet. Brigham Young felt that a temple in St. George would, along with the tabernacle, keep people from moving from the town and settling elsewhere. Brigham dedicated the tithing money from the people in the town of Beaver and any congregation south of Beaver to go to the completion of the St. George Tabernacle and the St. George Temple. The tabernacle was completed in 1876 and the dedication of the temple was in April of 1877. Six months after the temple dedication, Brigham Young passed away. But indeed, he did see the temple completed in the West in his lifetime. Once the temple was completed, saints from Utah, Nevada, and Arizona traveled to St. George to partake of the ordinances performed in the St. George Temple. Many residents of Arizona were the first to participate in the LDS ordinances offered in their temple in southern Utah. In 1881, the first of the Arizona saints began their journey to the St. George Temple. Among the ordinances performed in the St. George Temple was the ordinance of sealing. The LDS people believed that a husband and wife need to be sealed in their temple with the correct priesthood authority. That meant that they would be able to live with their spouse eternally, even after they die and pass into the next life. In 1881, the first group of saints headed to Utah to partake of this ordinance. Many of these saints would be married civilly in their local building by church leaders before making the trip to the temple. Some couples would have to wait weeks, months, or even years before they could travel based on their financial situation. Round trip, it would often take six weeks, give or take a few days depending on environmental factors. Many couples from Utah, not just Arizona, would make the trip and they would connect onto this trail around Kanab, Utah. There were couples that began their trip who were not already married by their local leaders. They wanted to be married and sealed in the St. George Temple. Such couples had to enlist a friend or a chaperone to keep an eye on them so that by the time they reached the temple at the end of their journey in St. George, they could still attend the temple. In order to attend the temple, people had to be chased. Their chaperone had to make sure that they were not making decisions that they would consider bad choices before they were married. Because the trail was used by people whose purpose was to be sealed to their spouse forever, it was nicknamed the Honeymoon Trail. When couples would reach St. George and they were sealed, they would stay a few days with friends and family to rest before heading back to their homes. On their way back, that would be known as their honeymoon. Or, when they were married before and then sealed, that journey was considered their honeymoon as well. Some couples did not stay with family, but did stay in the LDS temple itself. There are rooms in the very top of the temple in St. George that they could stay in, and they had their honeymoon there. This trip did cost people a lot, not just financially, but this was a difficult journey. If they were lucky, their wagons would go 15 miles a day. Along the journey, one of the many problems was finding fresh water. They arrived at Bitter Springs, which lived up to its name. Joseph Fish described it as, quote, We did not find enough water for our stock. And what little was there was very bad and not fit for use, unquote. As a part of this trek, they had to cross the, the Little Colorado River, a tributary of the Grand Colorado River. 
Lee's Ferry was established in 1870 by the Mormon people at the Little Colorado, which came in very handy to the people of the Honeymoon Trail. But before getting to the river, they had to go down a steep hill called Lee's Backbone. Here's a description by Elder Wilford Woodruff. Quote, It was the worst hill, ridge, or mountain that I ever attempted to cross with a team and wagon on earth. We had four horses on a wagon of 1,500 pounds weight and could only gain from 4 inches to 24 with all the power of the horses and two men rolling at the hind wheels and going down down on the other side was still more steep, rocky, and sandy, which would make it much worse than going up on the north side, unquote. Finally making it down, Lee's backbone took them to Lee's Ferry to cross the Little Colorado River. The wagon and animals had to be loaded into the ferry, and then they carefully floated to the other side. One experience was related by Julia Ellsworth when crossing with her fiancé, Ezra West. Quote, We had to take our wagon apart to cross on the small boat. We had a very narrow escape of being drowned, and the ferryman worked frantically to keep from going into the whirlpool where years later he was drowned, unquote. I also read about an interview that was done with a woman who had made this trek. In the interview, it was touched on that if newlywed couples could survive this adventure together, then they could survive anything. And the woman was asked if she ever considered divorce during this experience. She joked, quote, no, I didn't consider divorce, but I did consider murder a few times, unquote. Marriage is hard. Bringing two people's lives together is difficult. With this particular adventure with your spouse or new-to-be spouse, you might see the worst of him or her come out during this journey. You might see their true colors, and you may not like the colors that you see, or you work through it together. These couples ventured to Utah for the purpose of being sealed. They held very strong religious beliefs. Otherwise, they would not have taken such a risk. Such risks included financial, possible Indian attacks, dehydration, bad weather, and crossing the Little Colorado River. They took these risks because of what they believed. Many LDS people and historians discuss the strength, character, and determination of the LDS people moving into the Utah Territory. And they focus on the large migration of people. Oftentimes, we tend to focus on the big events, and we think that those are the only things that make a difference in this world. However, the people who traveled the Honeymoon Trail, though it may not have been as long of a journey, and not as many people used this trail, nevertheless, those people had the same conviction in their religion. The smaller events or choices get overlooked, and it can cause people to believe that we can only make a difference if we do big things, the choices that people can see. The small things, the small goodness that we do on a daily basis has a large impact on us and on those around us, and it can be very positive. Even if it was a small group of people, these saints who use the honeymoon trail, they often are forgotten in the wide story of Mormon settlement in the West, but they had a huge impact on their families and on people in their communities. Now, whether one is LDS or not, people, nor their sacrifices they make for their beliefs, should ever be forgotten. The small things we do matter. The people who use the honeymoon trail, that six weeks of their lives on that journey influenced their family because they made this trip in order to complete the mission of being with their spouse in the next life and being with their family forever. Whether you believe that or not, look at the significance of that if you did. 
If you did believe in that, it would change one's family from generation to generation. Even if we look at it and say, it was a short six-week journey compared to a six-month journey made by the saints from Iowa to Utah. They still did it because of their conviction they had in their religion and the importance of it for themselves and their posterity. The small things that we do matter. Even if we don't necessarily think those choices will have a positive influence on others' lives, it just might. Thanks for listening to Snazzy Stories. Come back again where everyone has a story. 